Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello, hello there, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. I have with me today, Sam Thiara. He's a professional who has created a personal journey as a storyteller, writer, coach, problem solver, educator, and entrepreneur, to name a few of the things he's done. He has said that his goal is to engage individuals in their personal and professional development and has been recognized by the Governor General of Canada for his work in the hundreds of individuals he has mentored and the thousands he has engaged. Added to this uh, is the incredible fact that he has helped over 45 nonprofits thrive over the years. Sam is also the founder and chief motivating officer at Ignite the Dream Coaching and Consulting, a platform that engages his audience to define their path. And that's why, Sam, you're perfect for this podcast. Hello and welcome. Thanks, Leticia. I appreciate being here and being able to share with your audience and hopefully give some nuggets to them that uh, might help them in their journey. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm the first one. Every time I've said this before, every time I have an inspiration, an inspired conversation such as as the one we're about to have been, I'm sure of that. I feel guilty because I'm like, I feel like I've had like my personal, you know, uh, <laughs> session with someone that is sharing so much wisdom. And that that's the whole point behind uh, Back to Basics. Mm-hmm. So so let's go there. Tell me about you and where you're from and, and a little bit about sure. your childhood, if you don't mind. No, I would love to. And, and I think uh, what I love about what you just said, though, is I've always reflected on it as, not storytelling, but story sharing. In other words, you have beautiful stories and journeys to share as well. We all do. So for myself, I was born in England, raised in Canada, uh, live in Vancouver, Canada, moved here when I was a wee lad, just four years old, and uh, you know, grew up in uh, a, a world and a society that I still consider to be such a magnificent place to live, which is in Vancouver. And you know, just had a normal, regular childhood growing up with regards to, you know, going to school and everything. But things did change. I mean, when I was nine years old and came home from school, my aunt was there and she said, you know, before you go play with your friends, your father had an accident. And the result, I mean, I still vision it as his vehicle rolled into a ditch. He walked home. But instead, what happened is he had an industrial accident. And that day he became a paraplegic and never walked again. So grew up with this. And, you know, it really opened my eyes to the world that, you know, when these things happen, I think this has been a sparking point for my life with regards to never looking at things as obstacles are bad. Obstacles are the necessary bricks on my road to success. And the fact that I need to be resilient in life because these things happen. So all the way through, you know, anytime there's been successes or setbacks, I've embraced them as what they are. And there's numerous, and I'm sure that we'll dive into it, but that's really the essence of where all of that started out with. 
That's, uh, well, first of all, sorry, because at nine years mm-hmm. old, I can't imagine, you know, and then, of mm-hmm. course, your dad is your hero. I'm sure that that had a lot to do, too. And, and then having to be in that circumstance, yep. I'm sure it forced you to grow up a lot faster than yes. most nine years old. But uh, it, it's what you said is also uh, very important because everybody I've interviewed, unfortunately, out of a very tragic event or a very, mm-hmm. you know, impactful thing that happened to them, they just became stronger. So mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things that you almost wonder if nothing bad happens, then am I really tapping into my full potential? And that's a hard one to swallow, right? Because we don't want to, yes. we don't want anything bad to happen. But at the same time, yeah. we know as human beings, I think that only when that happens is when we are, we raise the bar. And, and you become resilient, you become stronger, you have to work through situations. And I've always said that, you know, it's also you're not in it by yourself. Don't be afraid to reach out to people to, you know, the trusted people around you, because there are people around you that are there to support you. And, you know, we thrived. I mean, not to say that it was a good thing that happened, but I never look at it as good or bad. It's what happened. And we had to move forward and I chose to move forward in a in a way that has really become a cornerstone and it helped me to really embrace all of the things in my life to look at it with a, a an eye of okay you know what this has happened I need to you know reflect on it I need to get back up again I need to dust myself off what do I learn how do I become stronger and let's keep moving on well, and uh, so obviously that's what you did. And, uh, you know, the next thing I'll ask is I always very curious about what mm-hmm. people dreamed or envisioned to be when they were young. Right. So mm-hmm. in your teenage years, were you dreaming yeah. about what Sam was going to become when he was uh, older? Actually, Sam was just it's almost like if you were to see a river and you want to cross the river, but you don't want to get your feet wet. So you pick up a stone drop it into the water. Maybe the river's not too deep. And then you step on that stone and then you're looking around and then you find another stone. I think for me, and I'm, it's a very common thing. This is where I've mentored and coached so many people is, you know, I think I had a vision of what I wanted to do, but until I started understanding who I am, it never was the right journey. And, you know, for me, when I was in high school, I think for me, it was like, I didn't really know what the future held. I know what it didn't hold. Like I knew that, you know, these are the areas that I might be good in. And and business was something that resonated with me, but I didn't know what it meant, or I didn't know if that was really the essence of who I was. I mean, I knew it wasn't in the sciences. I knew it wasn't in the maths. I knew it wasn't in many different areas. (laughs) So for me, it wasn't so much, you know, you know, what did I want to be? It was more like, okay, what, what makes a little bit of sense here? And then attaching myself to it. But this is where I work with a lot of people now because of that journey I had, and it was full of bumps and uh, stumbles along the way, is to help them realize who they are, because then it clarifies the journey and helps them realize where they need to go. Yeah, I think you you hit it on the nail too. And and you said something, and me and my husband have spoken about this before, he's because humans, we are wiring a specific way. We're also yeah. always know what we don't want, right? Mm-hmm. If you go to a restaurant, you know what you don't want, but then you might take, you know, 10 minutes to realize what it is that you want. And, uh, 
and that's life. And I think that mm-hmm. that exercise, and I had a conversation with someone yesterday that works for me and, uh, you know, he's an engineer and that's what he studied, but I can tell there's many opportunities yeah. for him to grow as an engineer, but I'm seeing resistance. I'm sensing resistance. And I told him, you have to look deep, deep down because you don't want to mm-hmm. invest your life doing something you don't enjoy anymore. Maybe you enjoyed it in the past, but it's fine to cor- course correct. Yep, totally. And there's so many people. I always say that by natural journey of, okay, let's say you do a course in finance and then you're like, okay, I did well in this course. Yeah, I think uh, banking is the direction I need to go. And you start going in that direction. And 25 years later, you've been in banking for all your life. And then I start asking these questions and it helps what people realize, was I on the right train? And I try to catch people well before where, you know, they're on a train, but they're so focused on the destination. It's the journey that's the most important part. And that's what I've realized is over the years is I'm focused on the journey, not the destination. And in my conversations with people, when I start working with them to figure out who they are, it just resonates with them that they say, oh my gosh, this isn't the direction I need to go. And it's almost like, okay, let's get off the next station. Let's get on the right train. And now I help them get on the direction that they need to go. But it always has to be their direction, not the direction I want them to go. Of course. No, I, I love that. And, and really, that's how this podcast was born out of conversations mm-hmm. like this, because it is my firm belief that you can make anything happen. I always say mm-hmm. I love to prove that magic is possible and that you go against the current and everybody says this is not going to work. And then you make it happen. And then yeah. and then you become the example, right? Like people and I've said this before on the podcast, so for my loyal listeners, sorry, but I met my husband on Match.com and I met him 16 years ago when Match.com was not what it is today. And, mm-hmm. you know, but, and I say, you know, I just, I just not going to close the door. If you don't try, nothing magical is going to happen. Yeah. And then I met the best guy and people still cannot believe when they see each other, when they see us, they say, it's not possible that you met online. And yeah. um, and then we love the fact, and we that's why we never hid it. Some people hide the fact that that's how they met. We love mm. the fact that it might inspire others to just uh, you know think out of the box and 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 know that sometimes you find things you want in the most unexpected places. Oh, totally. I mean, and for me, there was a journey that I went on growing up. Like I said, born in England, raised in Canada. Well, my parents come from Fiji Islands, which is near Australia. Oh, my God. But my grandparents come from India. And uh, people often look at me and they say, what part of India are you from? Because visibly, I look Indian. I'm like, well, I was born in England, raised in Canada. And they're like, no, 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 your parents, what part of India are you from? And I was like, well, my parents come from Fiji. And they're like, okay, but are you Indian? And I'm like, well, my grandfathers came from India. And it was also this one part that other people said, you're not Indian, you're Canadian, whatever that might be. And I struggled with this identity piece. And it goes back to what you were saying about the, you know, the journey and, you know, about this realization and, you know, the obstacles. Because when I said, back in 2004, I want to go find my ancestral roots in India. Nobody in my family knew where it was. We sort of had an idea. We sort of knew the name of the village. It's near this post office or this town, and it's in a district, but that was it. But here's the thing. 
I'm very unfamiliar with India because I'm that far removed from it. But I said, I want to go. So my wife and I both went to India. And two things. Part of it is I went in search of my ancestral roots. And all I had was this faded photograph. Oh, my and God. And not much else. And it's just an orange, dingy, colored picture. Barely you can make out the people in there. Yes. Well, that's what I had and very little information. But here's the thing. I was a foreigner going to a land that shouldn't be foreign to me. Added to that is I went in search of this needle in a haystack. We didn't even know where the haystack was. (laughs) But so many people had told me, much like you had just said, you won't find it. What's the point in looking? Why do you even bother? That's just the past. You don't even need to know. If you find your village, your grandfather's house, you might not even get a good reception. For me, it was like there was a lot of noise. But the voice within said, no, you must do this. And there were two reasons why. The first reason is, you know, my father's done a lot for us. And being a paraplegic, he he did a lot for me. And I thought, you know what? I want to do this for him because he's never been to India. I want to find his father's house, my grandfather's house. The second part is there's a very thin thread that keeps us connected to the village. And that was that photograph and very little information. If this skips one more generation, it's gone forever. So I went to India with two ideas. One, find my grandfather's house. And two, realize this Indian side of my identity, which was never activated or it was there, but it just never really resonated for me. Well, my my journey to India was interesting because it was like, looking at it from a different lens than maybe somebody who's local. I got to see magnificence, like the structures and the some of the amazing places that I got to visit. But woven in there was the poverty, the injustice, and you know, even the pollution. But it made me realize that I'm a traveler, not a tourist. A tourist just wants to see, but not experience. They want to go to India to see the magnificence. But don't show me the poverty. I don't want to see this stuff like that. Whereas a traveler like me basically said, no, no, I need to see everything. I needed to experience the poverty, but not from a voyeurism standpoint to say, okay, here I am and there they are. No, no, this I needed to experience because this is what India is. And I saw such resilience in these people, no matter how destitute they were, there's this ironclad resilience I saw. And that was amazing to see. So I did find my identity. And this was euphoric. I mean, it was one of those things I woke up at 4am on this journey saying, I now have it figured out. Going prior to India, my life was always what we call a tali. That's an Indian platter with segmented dishes. I'm Indian, Canadian, Fijian, and British. Now, I played for 11 years in an Irish military pipe band, so there's a bit of Irish chutney on the side as well. (laughs) But all of these things were very segmented in my life. I mean, when I'm in my school area, then, yeah, I'm, I'm Canadian, and I, you know, the Indian stuff doesn't matter. And I just realized by going to India, I'm a rice dish called kichari. Now, kichari is a rice dish where you go to your fridge, you pull whatever vegetables, you get your spices, you mix it all together. It'd be the equivalent of an omelet, or if you're in uh, Korea, bibimbap, or any, I think all cultures have something that's a blend of flavors mm-hmm. that are leftovers. And I, I made, it made me realize that I am 
this khichdi, which is, I can be a blend of all of these and celebrate all of them at the same time. Uh, the other part I will just share is, uh, with regards to the journey, did I find my grandfather's house? Well, I don't know. There were setbacks. <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, if maybe there was someone who was looking out for me. But through the circumstances, and the, and the journey is the most important part of it, is I actually did find my grandfather's house. When I had that picture, a lady had looked at it and she goes, oh my gosh, that's me in the picture. Who are you guys? Because we were able to actually get to the house. Oh my God, that's incredible. I know. That's so it's almost like I was able to accomplish and I was able to reconnect with an entire generation of relatives we had never met before. Um, and I made this into a book, into a journey I called Lost and Found, Seeking the Past and Finding Myself. But there's one quote, a very small quote, I just want to read to you. Absolutely. It really captures the essence of all of this. And it's by, travel isn't always pretty. It isn't always comfortable. Sometimes it hurts. It even breaks your heart. But that's okay. The journey changes you. It should change you. It leaves marks on your memory, on your consciousness, on your heart and on your body. You take something with you, hopefully you leave something good behind. And that was by Anthony Bourdain. I think that just so captured the essence of this journey for me. Wow, I get goosebumps. It's uh, pretty pretty powerful. And, and, and it's funny because it's coincidental, but maybe, no, you probably don't know, but a couple of weeks ago, I wrote a full blog on where home is. And oh. uh, I also did a mini solo episode of this podcast on it because... Like you, I mean, and I totally get it. I'm like, oh my God, someone that I can, can relate to me. I have one less step than you, but my parents are Italian. I was born and raised yep. in Venezuela and uh, I live in the States, married a Dutch, have American kids. And so I always say, we're homies. And someone during the summer asked me, what do you consider a home? And I'm like you, like nice, I'm that mm -hmm. bowl of rice. <laughs> your ki your kitcheny. <laughs> yes, yes. But also what you said is very important, the cultural identity. I think that yeah. hits it on the nail because we are so forced to say you're this or you're that. And, and, and yeah. it's impossible for people like us to, to, you know, completely go and say, I'm this. It's, you yes. are a mix of things. And, and in that blog, I said that to me, home is the journey and not the destination. And it's not yes. a place necessarily. It's yeah. being with certain people or doing certain things. And that's where I feel home. And, uh, and so, yeah, it resonates so much your own story. Incredible. Oh, no. No. And even what you've just shared with me as well. Yeah, you and I are both very much alike. Different parts, different parts of the world. But just the fact that we can be all of those, I think, is a blessing because it's just the fact that we're able to associate and connect with many different backgrounds and cultures. And it makes us more wide and open with regards to what the world is and the fact that we aren't segmented. And I've had experiences, for example, in the Middle East, where people said, you know, because uh, I had to travel to the Middle East for work, and that was numerous times. And I just remember the first time I went, people were like, oh, Sam, it's extremely dangerous. Why are you going there? And, you know, I was landing in Kuwait, which is right next to Iraq, and Iraq was going through major upheaval at the time. And I just remember when I came back after traveling the entire region for the first time, People were like, okay, uh, so Sam, what was it like? Like, how dangerous was it? I said, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe how dangerous it was. And they're like, really, what did you see? What did you experience? I said, I tried to cross the road and it was impossible. And they're like, 
yeah, but what about all the other stuff? I said, what other stuff? And they said, well, you know, the terrorism and kidnappings and bombings. I said, oh, no, like to walk around Bahrain at midnight is safer than me to walk around in so many places around the world that I've been. And they're like, huh? And I said, yeah, I mean, I think that we paint this picture and we have a perspective until you travel, you are never going to realize people are people and they're open arms. Now, Leticia, I will tell you, there is something that is very dangerous in the Middle East. There is. And I just remember I finished speaking at a conference on a Thursday and I'm leaving on Saturday. One of the conference goers, a, a wonderful soul, said, I'm going to pick you up on Friday. I'm going to give you a tour of Bahrain. And she came on Friday morning. As, as I was getting to the car and she just sort of said, Sam, I'm so sorry, plans have changed. And I said, oh, well, I mean, if you have to go do your stuff, then no, no. She goes, no, no. My mom says I have to bring you home for lunch. <laughs> Leticia, being Italian, you know this. The most dangerous thing is you sit across from a Bahraini mother, an Italian mother, an Indian mother, <laughs> and you've got a plate of food in front of you and she's cooked all day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And my, and my parents That's, are only Italian. He's Sicilian. So trust me. Yes. Very oh, similar. <laughs> this is dangerous because she's going to sit there with this beautiful smile on her face and she's going to keep putting food on your plate. Any listeners to avoid the dangerous situation, eat very slowly. Eat yes, very slowly. Yes, yes, My husband will have a story about that of the first time he came in. He really, really, really almost had an in huge indigestion. That's that's oh, incredible. But that's the most dangerous part. Yes. Yes. Well, really. You have to be open. I love what you said about being a traveler and being a tourist. I think you definitely have big mm -hmm. piece of wisdom in, in that statement. So <laughs> so tell me, I know you've been you had like two TEDx talks that yes. I definitely should check out. And I know you're also big on like laying one's foundation. And as a mentor, mm -hmm. I think everything that you say is so important, but also my My goal is if anybody's out there and is, you know, yeah. hearing, listening to us and thinking about what train am I in? And yeah. I, is there any stops that look, you know, like interesting, but I'm so afraid of doing it and, and yes. I need to pay the bills and I need to, you know, this is yeah. a typical excuses, which are very valid, oh, yeah. but yeah. because they are so valid, we, those are the ones we, we led to get in our way. Yeah. Uh, and most yes. people that are successful will tell you, yes, I didn't have money to pay the bills, but I got by and then things got good because I committed to the idea. Right. So I know you're big and you have a like a plan or a program that you say there's core yep. elements. So why don't you yes. share a little bit of that with us? Sure. This is one that I've used with oh, hundreds of people, but equally at the same time, it's one that resonated with me first because when I was in a job and it was a corporate job. I could do the job, but it wasn't me. And when I stopped saying what I wanted to do and started thinking about who I am, it made it very clear I needed to move. And the way that I describe this is I call it the five core elements. In other words, what are the five things that you are not willing to compromise in life and career? Not career, but life and career. And there's a way that I, I work this as well. So the five things that guide and direct me in life are servant leadership, story sharing, activator igniter, champion enabler, and community do-gooder. Every single thing that I embrace has to hit five out of five, or I am not able to do it because it just isn't going to fit me. Now, there's fear that people have when I ask them about this exercise because they're like, 
you're making me choose five things. What if I don't pick the right words? I'm like, no, no. You pick words that resonate. And as you grow in life and career, you can change the words to fit the situation. And I've changed my words. I mean, I had leadership as one of my five, but I thought, well, leadership is too broad. What do I mean by it? And servant leadership is very reflective and representative of the type of leadership that I embody and that I, I carry forward. So the way that you work around this to figure out the five things that resonate is look at the job you're doing. What do you like about it? Don't like about it? And ask yourself why. Then you look at maybe the courses that you've done. What courses did you do that you liked and didn't like? Why? What do you like to do in your spare time? In your social time, do you have an outlet? Why? So for example, story sharing is one of my five core elements. And I ask myself, okay, why is sharing stories so important? And then I answer, well, I have so much to give. I have so much to share as experiences. Then I go, okay, but why is that important? Why do you have to you know, take these experiences and share them with others? Because by helping other people in their journey, I get to see them accelerate. I get to see them grow. Okay, well, why is that important? And then it goes on and on. So it's a very self-reflective piece. What I, I always say is it's almost like, you know, if you were to build a house, you need a solid foundation. And we will pay a building inspector to come in and look at the house. Does it have a good solid foundation? When have we done that with our life? To actually take the time to say, okay, am I on the right journey? Is this me? And uh, Leticia, to your point, I totally agree. Like, yeah, there's a lot of fear in people because I have to pay the bill. I have to do this. I have to do that. Well, maybe when you do the five core elements, you know, I remember, you know, there's a number of people that I, when I talk to them, they might work in a government job and it's Monday to Friday and it's just structured. And I say, okay, it maybe hits three out of five. Can you incorporate the other two? And if they say, no, I can't, it's, it just doesn't work. Well, the two things that are missing, can you incorporate that outside? And then at times I'd be like, and if they say no, then I'm like, okay, but you really have to think about, can you do this for the rest of your life? Or what's it going to look like? Uh, the way I also describe it, I'm all about analogies and descriptors is, you know, think of it as, you know, somebody who's not happy in their job, think of it as a tree that's on fire. And you know that you're going to, you're not, you're, you're, you're in a situation that you're not happy with, or it's a dangerous situation. I don't, uh, I'm not happy where I am. <clears throat> if that tree is your career or your job, and that's on fire, what do you do? You change jobs. In other words, you, you grab the closest vine and you swing to the first tree. And you're like, okay, I'm going to fresh start. I'm going to really enjoy this new job. Well, not too long after that, you're not enjoying it. And because that tree, which is that new job, that's on fire because it was right next to it. Well, you grab the next you know, vine and you swing to the next tree. My thing is, instead of trying to jump from job to job, tree to tree, which is on fire, let's put the fire out. Let's first put this fire out and try to understand what is it that you, you know, don't like. So before you, you move, having those five core elements, it's like you have something in your hand now that you can compare opportunities or challenges to. And it also makes a very powerful statement. Think of it this way. I mean, I've interviewed a lot of people. And when I ask them, well, Leticia, tell me about yourself. 
Well, people would say, well, I'm a hard worker. I've done this. I've done this. I've worked in this company. Uh, you know, I work well with people. I work as part of a team. And I'm like, great, but so is everyone else. If somebody, if I go for a job interview and somebody makes the mistake of saying, Sam, tell me who you are. Here's what I reply back with. There are five things that guide and direct me in life. Servant leadership, story sharing, activator igniter, champion enabler, and community do-gooder. Those five things has enabled me to help individuals, teams, organizations, schools, or education, and nonprofits to be their pinnacle best. It's also enabled me to become a speaker, storyteller, mentor, coach, writer, blogger, entrepreneur, problem solver, educator, and community activator. Now, that's a powerful statement. And if you can come up with these things, it just offers so much clarity. And the final thing I'll just share on this point is, think of it this way. If you and I are you know, in a job or in a, in a role or responsibility, think of it as, you know, you can go to a store. Let's say you and I both go shopping and we both want to buy a suit and we walk into a store. The store sells many suits, but they're all 52 shorts. So 52 short is not going to fit me. I'm a 42 regular. I mean, I can wear it much like we do a job or career. We can do the job. What I try to do is I want to make you a tailored suit. So rather than that 52 short, which is you've, you've gone through the job, the responsibilities, you're doing the job, it just on the constant. No, no, let's, let's find that tailored solution and give you the confidence to move forward. And always remember, you don't just take a leap from a job or career into the unknown without a parachute. What are the experience? But this is where it's really critical for those five core elements. It gives you the ways that you can see what you've accomplished, gives you the confidence to say, okay, this is what I really need. Maybe you reach out to people and say, look, I'm, I'm thinking of moving, um, looking at the people around you, the experiences you've had, capture them all because that becomes your parachute. Oh, wow. That's uh, definitely a TEDx speak on itself. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I totally agree with everything you said. And it's funny because there's things that you say that I've done organically. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I work for the family business. So I knew that you know, it's it's not the easiest thing, but it's, it gives you yeah. great things. But also, you know, all modesty aside, I, I have people offering me big jobs and a lot of money and mm -hmm. say, you know, at some point you say, is it worth to still work for the family, which, you know, I am, I'm, I'm treated pretty well by the family, but then and the business is good. But you always wonder, am I am I am I wasting myself? Can I do more? And then it prompted me to think, no, but I love what I'm doing, but I'm just missing pieces exactly what you said and that's how the podcast came and I, that's how I started speaking and that's how I incorporated exactly what you said I said this is missing in me I'm an agent of change I love to inspire mm -hmm. people what can I do to get that from that source and it's funny because and I've said this before at that point like people still ask me if I'm going to change my careers like they <laughs> cannot fathom that I post in LinkedIn, I post about telecom and I post about this and they're confused because they want to label me as only one thing. Yeah. And so they become confused. <laughs> and I say, no, I'm not quitting my job. And, and why are yeah. you doing this? And why are you doing this? And, 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 you know, and, and not being able to tell them why, just because it feels yeah. something, it gives me something that makes me happy. Totally. 
Yeah. But also what's important, Leticia, is there are people who they just want to have that corporate job and nothing wrong with that. If that is really what resonates and that's who you are, beautiful. Uh, like my wife and I, no, no, totally opposite. Like me, I thrive in ambiguity and uncertainty. I, I'll, I'm a career cliff jumper. I mean, I jump off the cliff and I'm like, yeah, no, I want to go do something else now. <laughs> she wants stability. She wants the Monday to Friday, nine to five, have her close friends and everything at work. And then, you know, just at five o'clock when things are done, she doesn't have to worry about it anymore. Uh -huh. but, and, and that's and, great. And that's to totally fine for people. Like I'm not, I'm, and I, I hope that your listeners realize I'm not saying, oh, no, you know, if you're doing that, then that's a bad thing. No, no. It's whatever is important to you, regardless, is what needs to be done. And somebody once asked me, they said, how would you describe your job? Like, what do you do? My parents don't even know, really. They, they, they just say, oh, he does stuff, but we're not <laughs> sure. I mean, we know he teaches at university, but that's one thing. I, I try to say that I am what you call a difficult monk mm -hmm. because people come to me looking for the answers to life. They think that I'm just going to, they think I'm sitting with an orange saffron beard on top of a mountain with this, you know, you know, knowledge and wisdom. And you come to me and I'll be like, my child, you will do this. Okay. I don't have an orange saffron robe. I do sit on top of a mountain and I do have a beard, but people come to me and I play with the part of the difficult monk, which means I am not going to tell you what to do, but what I'm going to do is ask you questions because the monk that you seek lies within yourself. All I'm going to do is ask these questions because the answers are right there. So that's why if I had to describe myself, I'm, I'm a difficult monk. I'm not going to tell well, you, but I like that. Yeah. I like that. And, and to your last point also, I think that a lot, the problem lies that even corporate people, mm. they think exclusively about what they can do. So, mm. you know, my husband is an engineer, but he's also a musician. He works in telecom, mm. but then he goes in some music gigs. And so I always am an advocate of, you know, think that you can do other things, not only because you have this corporate job, you yeah. cannot then you have to exclude everything else you're passionate about. No, Leticia, everybody should have an outlet. This is a suggestion. I mean, for me, it's woodworking and writing. I mean... I'm working on multiple projects. I think I've got about 12 right now, but they all layer into each other. Like they're not totally independent, but they layer, but they're 12 distinct things. But when I'm out, which after this call, I'll be out there in the garage doing, <laughs> uh, making, a, making a desk for somebody. Nice. Um, but here's the thing. When I'm out there, all of my commitments and things are set aside. And now I'm concentrating on the woodworking, but... Some of my best ideas have come when I'm doing my woodworking because I've released my mind from all the commitments. Now, maybe that's cooking for somebody, that's yoga, walking, going for a walk, music, as your husband does, all of that. I think everybody should have some sort of an outlet to escape, to get away from your everyday. And it's amazing that some of the best ideas and things will emerge when you're doing something that just is matters to you a lot. Yeah. And that's why I always end up the interview asking what makes you tick. So uh, you just <laughs> answer it and then that's given me the opportunity. But that's precisely because of that, because I find that when we go back to that thing that makes us tick, whatever mm -hmm. it is, then you hold, you, you kind of recover control of your essence. And that's the moment you have to seize, 
in order yeah. to move forward to whatever it is that you want to do next, because that's going to be yeah. the, the courage you need. Yeah. So, so Sam, I mean, this is obviously, as with every of my, any of my guests, I can keep talking and talking. <laughs> but, you know, since you share already what makes you tick, is there anything else exciting going on in your life that you want to share as one last thing? Any nuggets of wisdom, anything? You have an open microphone. Oh, thank you. It's, it's just the fact that I think we all have a capacity and we all have a capacity to give. I've taken all of the experiences and opportunities and I just give it away. I give it to people because I just think that that's what's needed in the world is the opportunity to have these thoughtful conversations. I mean, uh, the pandemic has had impacted, has impacted people every single person on the face of this earth. And I've said that in order to emerge out of this pandemic, we need to care. And what care means is collaboration, adaptability, resilience, and empathy. Collaboration, we have to work together. What have I got that supports you? What have you got that supports the work I do? And let's pull our resources together. Adaptability means okay, I have to change things up and not to be afraid of the unknown. The uh, We've all had this uncertainty and ambiguity hit us. How have we responded? So being adaptable. Resilience is realizing, you know what? This is a marathon. It's not over today. How do we build this resilience into our life? And finally, empathy, care and compassion. You don't know what people are going through. And I'm going to leave you with this, is this thought. Single piece of a jigsaw puzzle, right? It's ordinary. If I give this to you, what can you do with one piece? Not much. Not much. Right before your eyes, magically, I'm going to transform it into extraordinary. Because this is what many of the people feel like. They feel like that single piece of a jigsaw puzzle. They don't know where they fit in. They don't know the bigger picture. Instead, my satchel. If I give you a piece of my jigsaw puzzle, do you realize my puzzle is now permanently incomplete without you? Do you realize how important you are to me? I go through life giving puzzle pieces. It's been about 5,000 to date to remind people that they matter. And those puzzle pieces stuck to the mirror reminds people every morning they wake up, someone told them they were important. Or it's in backpacks, traveling the world. It's in curio boxes. It's in wallets. It's also the individual who's really struggling with mental health. This isn't what gets you out of it, but I've heard from a number of people that said in the deepest, darkest moments, that puzzle piece reminded me that I'm connected to you and I need to hold on to it because, and that's helped them to get out of that zone. I just want your listeners to realize that they are connected to so many people. They're connected to the world. Always remember how important that you are and that you matter to people. And it's just a little reminder that I always say, and I leave you with this quote, which is everyone's life is an autobiography. Make yours worth reading. We are all living stories. Go out, share your story. It's it's a beautiful piece that needs to be shared. Wow, that's uh, that's amazing, Sam. I am so happy that we connected, and uh, this is definitely a cherished connection that I, that I'll have, and so honored to have you on the show. And uh, I'm pretty sure that I'm gonna get people, you know, messages and texts because I know when it's a great episode, and this is a great episode. Mm -hmm. And I really thank you for all the work you do for 
being good, Thank I you. say always, every time you see someone that's doing good for others and, and speaking the way you speak, it's really an inspiration to step it up and do the same. So thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.